we were gone for quite a while. But no matter what happens next, the galaxy still needs its guardians. Hello, we come in peace. On, Drax. Seriously, dude? No, dude, no, no! Ow! <laughs> Don't forget where we came from. We have been running our whole lives. I'm done running. We'll all fly away together. One last time. Into the forever. That beautiful sky. Kill anyone. Kill a few people. Kill no people. Kill one guy, one stupid guy who no one loves. Now you're just making it sad. Bonus episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian, I'm a leftover, and I'm going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer that just dropped. Jake is not with me this week, but I am joined by a roundtable of guests. I want to welcome Joe Stark from the Starkcast podcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. I've also got Dre Moore from Podcast Championship Wrestling. Welcome, Dre. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Stephen Redgrave from Dissecting This Fiction podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Come on. Hey, bring up the volume there, buddy. You're like, you're like, uh, now you're all quiet and shit. Hello, hello. There you go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like a, a, people just get shy or something. Like, oh, me? And then they're just like, oh, hi. It's like, come on, get in there. Get in that. You get in. sit in your head the entire time everyone else is talking. And then as soon as it's your turn, you just go blank. It's, I'm just saying, hey, all you got to do is go blank. All you gotta, I'm just doing an intro. 
I didn't ask you like the square root of whatever the fuck. I just 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 say hello. I did multiple times. Yeah, but you you just said you went blank. You didn't go blank. You just didn't speak up. Okay, you're right. Valid Has nothing to do with the volume of your voice. We haven't even we haven't even gotten the trailer breakdowns. I got I got a problem with you already, Redgrave. I'm we're good. I'm gonna tweak some stuff and we're gonna we're gonna nail this. I'm. <laughs> he sounded really confident. Confident, yes, a hundred percent. Confidence was just That's flowing. There. Confidence, yeah. Was lack of confidence ah let's talk about guardians of the galaxy volume three this is our trailer breakdown a few things i want to talk about we're definitely going to be talking about it. just a few things from the uh, holiday special uh so spoilers for some of the you know more important things in the holiday special that uh, you might need to know before going into the into the movie and also before uh you know go, getting into this trailer um and let's see here what do we know they they bought nowhere off of the collector and uh nowhere if you don't know what that is that's the decapitated floating head of a celestial that we saw in the first guardians of the galaxy movie that had an entire like civilization of aliens living within it so uh the guardians bought it off of the collector i'm sure that they you know after thanos kind of damaged it and and everything he they he probably sold it at like, you know, like a fire sale price, you know. So and then didn't we saw the collector ship, I believe, in Loki? was it Loki season one? We saw it flying around. Nobody knows. One moment. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. The the collector ship was actually in the you saw it flying in the Loki finale intro, apparently. So we oh, got okay. to see the collector flying away, who we think is probably the collector flying away. Um, in the, so, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, so when I heard the, in that Holly special about the collector, uh, buy or selling it, sorry. Uh, my first thought was, so he presumably wasn't blipped then, right? Cause otherwise everyone would have just taken what they wanted from his collection as he was gone. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably safe to assume that, though. Uh, but then again, if I mean, Thanos left it pretty fucked up, so maybe there wasn't much left to take after the true. fact. Uh, in the holiday special, we find out these are again these are some of the spoilers from the holiday special. So if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Uh, we find out that Peter and Mantis are brother and sister. They share the same father, ego. That makes sense, but it was uh, probably one of the cooler things I thought in the holiday special. To be honest with you, we also know that. Uh, Cosmo is now part of the team. So, um, yeah, Cosmo is now part of the team. We'll talk about Cosmo in the trailer a little bit later. But, um, yeah. I don't know. James Gunn said that he enjoyed doing the holiday special because it sets all this stuff up and he doesn't have to address it in the movie. But I think it also is causing some of the same problems that we saw from people watching the WandaVision series and then going into Multiverse of Madness where, you know, a lot of things they might not be privy to. You know, they might be confused as to why the Guardians now own nowhere. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're going to have people say, you know, it's not a big deal. And I'm sure, you know, it won't be to a lot of people. But then I think it, it 
there's a chance that it might confuse some viewers going into into this. Um, I that's <laughs> again some of my biggest problems with some of the Disney Plus content, especially with I would say Boba Fett season one uh, with the whole Mandalorian stuff showing up. I had to like tell certain people that I know that are big fans of the Mandalorian that weren't watching Boba Fett. You've got to watch these episodes. If you don't watch these episodes, you're not going to know what's going on with Mando and the child going into season three. And I don't know. I I trust James Gunn and I trust that these aren't going to be – I don't know. I just I, – it makes me wonder what people are going to think finding out that Mantis and Quill are brother and sister having not watched the holiday special if they don't have a Disney Plus subscription. I feel like that's kind of a big moment. And yes, it's saving you a little bit of time, James Gunn, but on the flip side – it's just – I think it's taking away from the movie experience if you don't have a Disney Plus subscription. Yeah, it definitely feels like a big drop of news to have in something that not everyone's going to see before the next movie. So uh, I have to assume they're just going to do some throwaway line to kind of reestablish it for the people who may not have seen that. But like you said, it is kind of a weird move to, to plug those things into stuff like that. I'm guessing that they're banking that enough of their audience watches the stuff on Disney Plus that they're going to clue in their friends who don't see it. And maybe it will then push those people who are curious to maybe pick up a Disney Plus subscription. But I still say there's always going to be a percentage of the audience that is not going to watch that stuff. And they will go in and get confused by this stuff. Um, but, you know, who who are they supposed to be making content for if it's an interconnected universe? Do they treat it that way or do they still treat the movies like it's a different tier? And it's 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 a interesting decision to look at creatively. Yeah, I think to varying degrees, depending on what it is that's being left out or that's being left to a Disney Plus series and left out of the movies could uh, impact how an audience will feel like the Guardians acquiring nowhere doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It's just like. Okay, this is where they stand at now. Cool. Roll with it. But something like Mantis and Quill being brother and sister, that's much more impactful and much more significant. And to have that left in the Disney Plus series and then go into this movie with that just already being established, that could be something that I could see being very jarring for an audience person, especially the moment itself. You know, that was a pretty powerful yeah. moment in that special. Yeah. And you know, if you don't get that on film, if you, that's just left out, and you just have never experienced that. Yeah, you're you're missing out on a pretty special moment. Jumping ahead in the trailer, I wasn't going to do it. Now I was going to talk about it organic. Like, well, this is organically. Fuck it. Uh, the part in the trailer where we see Peter Quill screaming, we see some sort of like medical tool that has blood dripping off of it, and it's leading us to believe that. Possibly one of the guardians, uh, an important character is dying. And a lot of people are speculating Rocket. Rocket has been the name thrown around for the past, I'd say since 2017, ever since the last movie ended and people started talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. One of the biggest rumors I've heard is that Rocket's going to die in this movie. I listen, I'm, we'll talk about that later. I, I'm not 100% sold on that at this point, 
But what if it's Mantis here? What if Mantis is the one that's dying here? And that's why Peter's, Peter's screaming because like he's pretty much lost all of his family anyway. He lost Yondu. He doesn't have his Earth family. Um, he lost his mother. He lost his father. And now he's losing Mantis. And that's another thing that I think won't be as impactful for some viewers if that's the case. If it is Mantis, and I'm not saying it is, but if it is – not seeing the scene of him and Mantis hug and realize that they're brother and sister, I don't think it carries the same weight going into this movie. Have you not seen the holiday special? One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's totally true. And I'm I was thinking right along that same track as you that maybe it's Mantis because in that scene where where Quill is screaming like he is, I mean, just there, there's so much anguish on his face, and it's like which. Which people close to him would provoke that sort of reaction, and a sister would certainly do it. And so, yeah, I was thinking right along those same lines. Yeah, that totally makes sense because some of our most impactful moments are built on the things that preceded it, the the journey that we've taken with these characters beforehand. So, yeah, again, going back to that Guardian special, that scene, if it turns out to be Mantis, it's not going to hit as hard. For those who have not seen the moment from the Guardians uh, holiday special, I I couldn't I, I could not agree more. I mean, and that's another as far as much as I was excited about the Disney Plus shows when they were first announced. I feel like in a way it's making the movies and the entire experience less special. I get that it's more content. I get that we're getting more. Of certain things, I just think we're getting. I think we're just getting bombarded with way too much, way too much. And everybody, I don't know. It's just, I'm kind of, I'm <laughs> kind of over these shows. I wish it was just the movies, and I, I'm, I'm probably in the minority there because I know people love seeing this stuff, but I just kind of, I mean, even I don't know. I, even the Daredevil series coming up, I'm worried about. So, and that character comes from like originally from like the Netflix series. So, anyway, um, also want to point out that uh, if anyone tries to tell you that James Gunn's firing and COVID didn't affect the script of this movie, they are, in my opinion, wrong. This movie was originally slated to come out before Thor: Eleven Thunder and would have featured Thor in some of the movie. Um, and then also, we know that there was talks between – and I can't guarantee this. I know there was talks between Mark Hamill and James Gunn. And I think – did Mark Hamill – was that him in the holiday special? As far as I've seen, no, not yet. I haven't seen any direct confirmation from Mark Hamill on Twitter, but I have seen posts where other people dug into it asking people close to him and they, they have not confirmed it. Yeah. Well, anyway, they, they were that one time they were talking and it looked like Mark Hamill might possibly get a role for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. They actually set up a time to get like lunch together and talk. And I think that lunch did go down, but I don't know if anything actually came out of it. And then there was also the tweet back in 2017. James Gunn teased uh, the character of Quasar by posting a picture of uh, – of an old, it was an old wood veneer Quasar brand VCR. And he said something like, you know, 
I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I'm thinking about like, you know, the old VCR that we had growing up. And he was possibly he was teasing, I think, Quasar, of course. Um, and we know that, you know, I mean, we still could get Quasar. Uh, maybe he's like in a post credit scene. Maybe they're setting up something more with like, you know, Kamala's bangles, the Negabands, all that stuff. And I'm not saying that it won't happen, but I think at one time, Quasar probably was like a bigger part of Guardians uh, of the Galaxy Volume 3, and that might have been scrapped. So, I don't know. Yeah, That might have been scrapped when they started doing other things like, you know, the announcement of Ms. Marvel and stuff. So, um also want to talk about uh, there was – exclusive guardians of the galaxy volume three uh there was a, a exclusive trailer that was shown at san diego comic-con earlier this year and um gun talked about it he said uh, this will be the final one in these character stories and uh, and then there was footage shown and um that's when we knew, you know, Cosmo was going to be confirmed to be in the film. Cosmo is going to be played by uh, Maria Bakalova. She was in Borat 2. And we found out that the High Evolutionary will be played by Peacemaker's Chuck Woody Awuji. Um, and yeah, they showed up. Oh, I got to see some of that leaked trailer. It was like, you know... It was hard to see because I couldn't see the full screen, but the, it did get dropped online. Uh, we found out at San Diego Comic-Con that Gamora is leading her own group of Ravagers. We found out that Baby Rocket is in the movie. And then we saw in that original trailer a hand reaching for Rocket while he's caged. We saw that here. Um, we're going to get an extended look at Rocket Raccoon's origin story. Uh, James Gunn teased it as being one of the saddest in the universe. And so we're going to learn about those scars and, and the metal in his back and how he was created by the high evolutionary. Um, and I'm trying to think anything else from San Diego Comic-Con. They showed Will Poulter, of course, as Adam Warlock. Um, and James Gunn said that the movie is going to be incredibly emotional. Um, as far as like the deaths in the movie, I can't confirm anything. Uh, the earliest rumor was Rocket. Of course, everybody's thinking Drax as well because of Dave Batista not returning to Marvel after like the whole James Gunn firing and everything. Um, Grace Randolph, and I don't know if this is true, but she says that she's heard that they filmed multiple death scenes for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 to prevent leaks. And even the cast doesn't know which scenes will be used. Um, she also said not to worry about Rocket and he could end up leading the Guardians by the end of the movie. Um, we'll talk more about some of the rumors and things like that at the very end of this. But um, another thing that I am still speculating, and I've talked about this ever since we reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when we found out that Yandu died. And Rooker has been a cameo, I believe, in every one of James Gunn's movies. And I still think that we're going to get Rooker for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I... I'm going to go back to our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review. I said that in this next movie, I think there's a good chance that it'll be a flashback scene. Possibly, you know, uh, we'll get to see maybe a teenage version of Peter Quill that's being trained as a young Ravager by Yondu. And um, so, I mean, he even was able to slip in 
Rooker in the holiday special in a flashback scene. So I, it's going to hundred percent. I think the movie will probably start with a flashback scene. All of the movies have started with a flashback scene. The first movie did with his abduction. The second movie started off with ego in the seventies meeting Peter's mother. And this one I think is also going to be a flashback scene of Yondu and Peter. I think that's oh, a safe bet. Um, yeah. I, because he, Rooker was on set during the Christmas special because that uh, rotoscoped animation scene. And I've seen pictures online of, I think, from when they were filming that. And so it's just a good bet because they did those both at the same time. All right. Was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I I would probably put money on that. It'll probably be something to do with like him and his guns that we see him get in the flashback and kind of like go into him training with them or something. Like you said, as a, like a younger Peter with Yondu, kind of give like that like fatherly bond that they kind of were growing that they really emphasized in volume two. Yeah, I, I would think that in something like that, we're not going to see outwardly a bond between him and Peter. Maybe Peter gets the guns. Yandu is, you know, very abrasive, you know, but mm -hmm. in training him and then Peter does well. He does a good job. Maybe it's Peter's first heist. Maybe Peter's going to steal something for the first time and does it, comes back, does a good job. And uh, Yandu, you know, gives him somewhat props, but still not like a loving father. But then we see him kind of like on his own and, you know, Yandu away from Peter. And you can maybe see like a smile, like a proud father smile behind the scenes. But he just doesn't want to let Peter see it, you know. I, that's just how yeah. I view Yandu and Peter's relationship up until like the very end when it's – you know, he just basically lets him know, like, you know, I'm your daddy. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm 100% positive that it will happen. I don't think Gunn will let us down with that. Um, before we jump, yeah, we're going to jump into the trailer breakdown, but I wanted to say, I saw, I just, I literally just saw this. James Gunn was asked on Twitter, I wonder what happened to the Benatar. And he's talking about the second ship, uh, that we see in volume two. And then was also asked, uh, how much time has passed since the Guardians left Thor? He answered, uh, it's in the garage. The Bowie is much bigger. A fairly long time. They weren't with Thor for more than a few weeks. So, uh, we don't know exactly where this takes place in the timeline, but like, unlike the first two movies, it's not like a huge, uh, step back in time. So we're, we're pretty much caught up, I think, with most of the MCU timeline where things are happening right now. In the MCU timeline, probably around 2025. Yeah, I had an idea of that. I don't know if it contradicts what he said, but I was kind of looking at it last night. Um, we know Hawkeye was in 2024. This takes place after Thor, so that would have to put it at at least 2025, like last week of December, early 2026, maybe. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, probably looking at 2026 if you're saying a fairly long time. Um, this might be the furthest in the timeline we've been then. Um, we see the guardians. Let's start off with the trailer breakdown. We see the guardians. They're landing on a planet in their new ship and they're wearing, uh, brand new ravager uniforms. 
Um, the new ship is called the Bowie. That was confirmed by Gunn. So in the first movie, it was the Milano after Alyssa Milano. And the second movie, it was the Benatar after Pat Benatar. And now we've got the Bowie after David Bowie. It's a, it's a huge ship. This is the biggest one we've seen. And uh, it's three stories. It's huge. Uh, the planet that they're traveling to, it looks like Earth. And it looks somewhat like New York. They actually are flying over what looks like the Hudson River. And we see a version of the Statue of Liberty, but not a close-up of it. And um, we get to a planet that's made of like – it's made up of like uh, – the inhabitants are like these anthropomorphic animal-human-like hybrids. So I'm guessing like the Statue of Liberty that we see there is like some sort of animal as well. We'll probably get a close-up <laughs> shot of it. It might be like a – fucking badger or something we, you know who the fuck knows <laughs> a badger would be excellent <laughs> <laughs> uh and um and then we get like a cute little scene of them walking off of the sh- off the bowie and uh little girl what is she like a lemur or a spider monkey or whatever the fuck i have no i have no idea yeah, like something like that well they're all kind of frankenstein together there's like the 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 male person the mail carrier who is the stuff of nightmares like a stork well but if you look at the hands the hands were reptilian Mm -hmm. so it looked like it had claws too yeah so maybe it's like one of those big birds that have like the claws you know like i don't know i I don't even know what those are called man those big like an emu or something i don't know humanoid type talons or something yeah yeah and uh, looking around the neighborhood, you can see, like, the clothing and the cars. It looks like this is set sometime in, like, the 80s on Earth, but with animal-human hybrids. Um, this Earth is – it's either counter-Earth or half-world. So counter-Earth was created by the high evolutionary who's going to be the villain in this movie. Or it's half-world. This is where Rocket – is confirmed to be from. And we saw that in his uh, bio when he was registered into prison in the first film. They had a bunch of information about the Guardians. If you pause on those screens, it shows that his origin planet is Half-World. So this is either Half-World, where Rocket's from, or it's Counter-Earth that was created by the High Evolutionary. Could it be that they're kind of just mashing those two concepts together? Like maybe... It is his home world, but it's also just counter earth. It's something that high evolutionary made. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I believe he has scientists and this is a planet that he has used his uh, genetic accelerator on. And, um, I mean, it could be a hybrid of the two. Um, I, I can't confirm. I'm just, just trying to go over everything that it could or could not be. So, um, and they might even have a new name for it. That's how the MCU does this stuff. Um, High Evolutionary is going to be the villain in this movie. We did get to see him in the trailer, uh, played by uh, Chuck Woody Awuji. Uh, who is the High Evolutionary? Um, the character in the comics was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby uh, way back in Thor 133. He is Herbert Wyndham, uh, an English geneticist whose work on a new genetic accelerator took a huge leap when he was given the blueprints for cracking genetic code, establishing his base of operations on Wendigore Mountain. Wyndham worked alongside other famous Marvel scientists to make radical breakthroughs uh, like his new men, which are half men, half animal creatures. 
these are what we are seeing here in this trailer, I believe. Um, the, uh, the half human, half animal hybrids that we see. Um, Counter Earth in the comics, uh, was created on the exact opposite side of the sun to our Earth. So I don't know why the guardians, I, some people are speculating like Peter's trying to get back to Earth and they accidentally <laughs> go here. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. I mean, Drax and Mantis went back to Earth, had no problems finding it. I don't see why they can't just go back to Earth. I think this has something to do with Rocket, possibly. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, plus you would think if he's flying over the Hudson and sees the statue of Badger, he would immediately know he's on the wrong planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think this is all rocket connected. That that makes the most amount of sense. Yeah. Um, the high evolutionary used the genetic accelerator tech on himself. He accelerated his intelligence to near cosmic levels with his advanced cybernetic exoskeleton, making him godlike as the high evolutionary. Uh, his work on Counter-Earth, a near replica of Marvel's Earth existing on the opposite side of the sun, brought him the attention of cosmic entities like Galactus or the Beyonder. Um, yeah, so it's like a big – this is a big villain in Marvel. Um, let's get back to the trailer. That is the high evolution. We'll talk about the high evolutionary more in the trailer. Uh, we hear Manta say, don't forget where we came from. And I believe she's talking about – their shared father ego here, but maybe it's like, maybe this is something that Rocket's bringing up to them. Like, I, you know, we found out in like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One that with him being a raccoon, he said, like, I don't have a, I don't have a long lifespan anyway, blah, blah, blah. And maybe as he's getting older, he there's things that he needs to reconcile and maybe he's ready to face his creator. Maybe he's, you know, and his past. And so maybe this is like, he's presented this to the guardians. They've got other things that they, that they want to do. Maybe kind of like other missions. And Mantis is kind of saying like, don't forget where we came from. You know, they came from, their father, they had daddy issues. Rockets clearly got daddy issues. And so maybe this is Mantis kind of pleading with Peter, like, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should do this for Rocket. I don't know. That's just a guess. Thoughts? I mean, that could yeah. totally be it. I, man, I, I, I hadn't considered it from that angle, but I like that because then, you know, it's like you said, it's tying into, the the Peter and Mantis story and I I just keep going back to like what could be the thing that's because Mantis or not Mantis but w when it shows them all walking out of the ship Rocket's not among them and so it, uh, I've been going into this thinking that they're going there looking for Rocket yeah that's kind of the, my my mindset like maybe he went on like a solo mission to try and save people by people I mean other animal beings. Uh, from the high evolutionary or he was captured himself again for whatever reason. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. He doesn't walk off the Bowie with them. So 
maybe yeah, it's... I wonder if he just takes off from nowhere all by himself. Like maybe yeah. he asks for help. They don't help him. He goes by himself because we know the other ship is there. James Gunn said it's in the garage. So yeah. the Milano's right there where he can take, or not the Milano, but was the, it the Milano? The Benatar. The Milano was destroyed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the Benatar. So he could have hopped in that and, and, and took off back. Yeah, and that would tie into Mantis saying that to Peter, you know, like kind of maybe it's a consequence of not stepping up and helping him initially. And so now, like, they have to go and, and, and help him because, uh, you know, he did it on his own after. Or maybe he doesn't even ask for help. Maybe he just says, maybe he just leaves a fucking note or something. That's true. And yeah. just leaves, you know, takes off. So that, that would be the most rocket thing to do. Yeah. Especially if it's for some personal reason that he would have to, you know, basically open up and share something deeply personal for yeah. why he's going to do this. Maybe that could be expect. part of his character arc in the movie to, to even get him to open up and talk about that. Yeah. I really like that idea. Um, something I just thought about also with, with Mantis and Quill is that they were essentially created as well. Ego was making children because he, he wanted them for a very specific reason. And when they didn't match that, he was just casually discarding them. And so in that way, Mantis and Quill are somewhat like Rocket. It's just that they weren't constructed out of mechanical stuff the way he was. Yeah, and it wasn't like the torturous creation as well. Where yeah. Rocket says, like, I've been taken apart and put back together over and over and over again. And he was basically like, I feel like Rocket was like maybe like the original. Like he was the guinea pig before, you yeah, know. see the first of the new men? Might have been. Yeah. And so <laughs> – you know, he, he just went through all this, just an abundant amount of torture throughout his life. And yeah. Yeah. We see a shot. There's a shot of a hand reaching out for a baby rocket. Um, we're going to find out. I believe that that hand is, uh, the high evolutionary exper ex experimenting on a young rocket. Um, how adorable <laughs> is that young rocket also? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to get that hand. Baby raccoons are cute. It's – you know what terrifies me is baby owls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever seen baby owls, man? Baby owls look like little demons, dude. Like if I were to like walk into a room and turn on the light and see a bunch of baby owls looking at me with their big black eyes, Joe, I would – I think in that moment I would fucking piss myself. <laughs> like <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> baby birds in general, definitely not as adorable as baby mammals. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, there's actually a shot later in the trailer where we see Rocket's face and there's like this uh, metal machinery that's exposed on his right cheek. This might be part of like the flashback as well. Um, so, I, yeah. That moment actually, I was kind of like, does it look to you guys like maybe he's like in a kennel? Cause like those like pellets laying all around him. Like it's kind of just like, to me, it felt like he was like maybe in a cage or something, oh. which would kind of go back into maybe he was captured. Or oh, he's in a cage. There, yeah, there's a hand reaching for him and while he's in a cage. Yeah. When you see the hand, well, I mean, that's the, the cage. when he's young, right? Yeah. I and like, I also believe that the shot of his face where there's metal exposed could also be when he's young. Oh, okay. So you think that's also a flashback? Okay. I'm not, a, I can't give you confirmation, but if I had to guess, I would say yes. Okay. Got it. Um, we then get a shot of what I'm hearing is possibly the high evolutionary's base. 
it's this fleshy looking structure in space and it looks like Unicron from the animated Transformers movie, <laughs> but if it was made like into a human anus. Yeah. <laughs> it does look like an anus. <laughs> yeah. It, that that was my notes was it's nowhere's butthole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are saying like it's it's the rest of it's part of nowhere's body. And That's some what I was assuming it was it's something to do with a some part of a dead celestial. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sh- uh, there's a shot of the guardians in uh, multicolored spacesuits walking on its surface, and it even seems to have these large hairs growing out of it. So this is like a living thing. Um, super gross looking. We hear Peter Quill say, "We have been running our whole lives," and then we see a shot of Gamora holding up a picture, a Polaroid. Of what I believe is probably her and Quill back when they were in love. The other version of Gamora, the one that Quill fell in love with. So not this version. This is the version, um, you know, the original version of her died in Avengers Endgame. This is the version pre-Guardians from 2014. And now after the events of Endgame, she now has her own groups, group of Ravagers and she didn't spend time with the guardian. She never fell in love with Quill. I think that this movie, and I think everybody going into it is going to be like, Oh, you know, Quill and Gamora, this is, they're going to fall in love again. This is going to prove that it doesn't matter, you know, how or when you meet someone that you're always going to find that connection. You're always going to fall in love. I don't know if that's the case here. I, I, I think there's a good chance that by the end of this movie, Peter realizes that it's Gamora, but this is not the same Gamora that he fell in love with. And you can't recreate moments that they had, even if it's the exact same person just plucked out of time. It's certain things had to basically fall in place with those two for them to fall in love. I don't know if we're yeah. going to get, I don't know if we're going to get that storybook, you know, ending yeah. here. I don't think we would either. And I don't think it would make sense for it to happen. It would feel rather forced just for the very reason that you gave that this is not the same Gamora. They don't have the same shared experiences or any of that. This is, this isn't even really a Gamora that's, traveled down the same path on in her own journey as the original Gamora. This is one that when we last saw had some resentment towards Thanos and then fought against him and then went off on her own and basically had to has now had to discover herself. There's no space in there, her story for her to fall in love with a Peter Quill character. So yeah, it, it I don't see that happening at all in this movie. I think at some point they may need the Guardians may need help from some other group and they reach out to either find her or they reach out to her group because clearly she ends up coming. We see scenes of her with the rest of the Guardians. So obviously they come together at some point, but I don't think it has anything to do with any kind of love story. Yeah, I, I feel like that would just come off very repetitive. Like we've, we've had their story uh, for two movies and I feel like you know, the whole idea here is, is presumably to focus on at least Rocket. So I think that would kind of 
again, be repetitive to, to do. It's the final movie, though. You've got to touch upon Peter and his emotions and being around the love of his life again. That ha- I mean, you can't just gloss over that in the final Guardians movie. I mean, well, I mean, well, yeah, I understand. Yeah, sure, well, 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 there will be some emotional beat there, obviously, when he sees her again for the first time. But I think it's something that will be resolved. At least that their story arc will get resolved fairly quickly in the movie. I, I don't see that being like one of the central storylines. I think it's big. I think it's big enough to come up multiple times in the movie. I'm not. I think you've got an A story, which is going to be Rockets, 100. percent But I do think you have a B story of Quill and Gamora, and I think you got your C stories of Drax. I, and you know, I think everybody's going to have like their own moment in this movie. There's a there's there's a shot in this trailer, and I believe they're on nowhere, and Nebula is holding Quill. And people are like, oh, you know, Quill's injured. She's holding him. I think he's fucking drunk. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's yeah. drunk because he's been drinking, because he's been upset about Gamora, and he's been drinking himself for, you know, for oh, months. She's carrying him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That looks like I, a, it's a very lighthearted scene that's probably in that moment. I know they, they kind of paint it to look like something serious has happened, but if you see Rocket in that scene, he's like drinking a Starbucks or something, so – Clearly, whatever happened before probably wasn't that serious. Yeah. yeah. It could be very much he's just passed out drunk. He's passed out drunk. He's upset. He's depressed. He's been drinking because, you know, Gamora, right? Yeah. I, I like the idea that the events of this movie put them back in proximity to each other. And throughout this movie, they do touch on that, on the fact that for Quill, it would be recreating moments. But for her, it would be creating new moments. And I think that one of the things that initially brought them together was their proximity, the fact that they were around each other. And at the beginning of this movie, they're not around each other. She's got her own group. And if throughout the events of this movie, they get brought back together and there's that proximity, should they both survive throughout the end of the movie? I kind of like the idea that if they were to leave it open-ended, but suggested that, you know, they could get together afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I it's anything could happen, Joe. I mean, they could leave it open. I mean, we don't know who's going to make it out alive. I don't see Gamora dying again. No, um, I don't either. Uh, I maybe Quill sacrifices himself for her, and that's when she realizes that she loves him or something. I don't know. I don't know. Or it's just one of those things where Quill just has to come to the conclusion that. This isn't my Gamora. It's Gamora, but it's not my Gamora. And I can't, and I think even throughout the movie, it could be some comical moments of him trying to create, recreate certain things from that <laughs> yeah, first movie. You know? So we'll see I what guess happens. For me, the fact that they show her in the trailer, like casually with the group, kind of takes away from that plot line of them searching for her because she's obviously around. And I guess it just kind of puts her on the back burner. None of what mind, I'm none of what extent. I'm none of what I'm saying is them searching for Gamora. No, I know that. I'm just saying, like the fact because like they kind of left off the last we saw. You know, they were going to go search for her, and then upright in this trailer, we know that she's not being searched for. She's just there. So, like to me, that kind of puts it in the perspective that like she's not going to be a, a front running 
plot point. But like, like you said, she could be a B point and like, we'll, we obviously will probably get something with Peter and hers relationship. It just, I don't think it's going to end with a repeat of them falling in love. Yeah, I mean, it's all speculation. I, I, I don't. I, I think that there's a good chance that he just kind of like realizes that he has to to move on from it. That it's not the same Gamora. He's going to come to terms with that. But I do think it's going to be a a B plot that shows up multiple times within the movie. It's a, it's a big thing. I mean, um, I think the Rocket story is huge. But this is the last Guardians movie, as far as far as we know. Um, I don't know if any other director wants to take it on after this. Like, I don't know who, like, like, I don't see, like, what director wants to take on the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, F, you know, trying to, you know, fill the shoes of James Gunn. I mean, this might be the swan song for these characters. We might see some of them who survive pop up and other things, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if we'd ever. So I think everything that's going to happen between Peter and Gamora is going to get resolved one way or the other in this movie. That's what I would think. Yeah, that that would make sense. Um, We hear Rocket say, uh, I'm done running. And he's probably talking about running from his creator, the High Evolutionary. He's wanting to face his past. Um, We see a shot of uh, Chuck Woody Awuji as the High Evolutionary watching a human run on a giant hamster wheel. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this is like, we know that he's got a planet of like this evolved animal hybrid species that he's treating like humans. Is he treating humans like animals here? Like, is this his pet? I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, there's a shot of the guardians inside what looks like is probably, um, inside the high evolutionary's base. Um, I say that because it, 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 it looks white on the inside, but you also see it's, it's, it's made up of the same fleshy looking substance. Parts of it are made up of that f- same fleshy looking substance that we saw on the base from the outside, from the previous shots. Um, we see Drax is injured in this shot. He got shot in the chest with something and Gamora and Mantis are holding him up. And then behind them, we see Peter Quill and he's holding uh, up Nebula, who's probably injured as well. Peter is holding on to, with his right hand, he's holding on to this spherical device. And I'm not sure exactly what that is, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if it's a big plot point at all, but it's like it's like a spherical device made up of like flat sides. So, couldn't tell you. They're in prison jumpsuits in this scene, and it's very reminiscent of when the Guardians were first arrested by the Nova Corps in the first movie and sent to the kiln, which was the prison. Um, but at this point, they've met up with Gamora. I don't know how they met up with her, if they contacted her. Maybe she was also tracking the High Evolutionary for some reason, and they just kind of crossed paths. Um, I have no idea. We get a shot of Peter jumping out of a window on a planet. Don't know what this planet is. Some people are thinking it could be Xandar, which is the home of the Nova Corps that was decimated by Thanos. We found that out by Thor in Infinity War. I don't think it's Xandar. Um, I think it's the same planet that we saw at the beginning of the trailer. Um, That's That was my thought, too. 
same. The the skyline and all the color palette and everything looks really similar. But I like think headquarters or something. I think it's the I think it's actually like the science division that the high evolutionary has set up on this planet. We see Peter running at someone and they're dressed in white and they go fly, you know, he grabs them, like tackles them and they go flying out the window. If you look to the right side of the screen, you can also see other people in white already on the ground, knocked out, injured. And these could be in the, like in the comics, they were called, this could be the enclave, which are the high evolutionary scientists. So like these might be the people that were working with the high evolutionary creating, you know, the new men, right? I don't know. Yeah. Can I ask a question uh, as far as, okay, so like I have a Marvel encyclopedia and they reference the high evolutionary creating the Knights of Wundagore. What are they compared to the new men? They were also like animal people. Uh, the Knights of Wendigore, I All I know about that is that I know that uh, there Pietro and Wanda there 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 were animal like creatures on Wendigore, I believe, created by the by the high evolutionary and i think that i think it was pietro and wanda their nanny was like a hippo woman so yeah she had like a bull's head yeah i think her name was okay Bulls, so but- it's just like another group of animal people but not the same as yeah we're not i don't think this would be we're not gonna see okay. the wondergore connection here at all they're, they're taking i just didn't know it was like an alternate name in like a different comic or something okay so um There's a shot of Peter and Groot running away from a crashing ship. It looks and like the Bowie. It's the Bo- it is the it yeah. is the Bowie. So after they have that that interaction with the animal people on Counter Earth or wherever they're at, I wonder if one of them takes the ship and crashes it. And leaves them kind of stranded there. Or, or you know, we, is Kraglin still on the ship? Is Kraglin – like, does Kraglin crash it? Um, Crashlin? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what – I don't – and maybe if Rocket has the Benatar, maybe that's how they get off of this planet if he still has the Benatar – I was thinking it would be hilarious if they ran into like an animal version of an Avenger who like lets them use another ship to get off planet. Like, <laughs> like, you know, maybe, you know, like it's based off of Earth. Like, what if there's like a kangaroo version of Tony Stark or like a dog, maybe like Tony Bark or something? Like, I, maybe that's too silly. That's too silly. Don't do it. That's something Tycho would do. Don't do it, James Gunn. Well, maybe this is where like the frog. Yeah, exactly. Throg comes from, or the or the alligator Loki. <laughs> yeah, Throg. I I don't know. Maybe I was just thinking like somebody that would have access to like a spaceship to get them off the planet, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I I had had that thought also that maybe it was the Benatar if if they were following Rocket there, and maybe it's the High Evolutionaries, you know, soldiers or guards or something that have shot the ship down. So we see uh, Rocket in one clip hugging an otter, and this is Lila. She's from the comics and his love interest. Um, she's probably someone that knew him before when he was being experimented on by the high evolutionary. She might be like the catalyst for like this whole mission. Like, yeah, totally agree. Did you notice that she had little like robotic arms also? She did. Yeah. yeah she has like, uh, I think it was, her, yeah, it was her left hand. It's a robotic hand. Explains his robot arm fetish he has. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. That's perfect. <laughs> he probably got that hand for her. Yeah. Um, she was actually a giant winter soldier arm on a little otter is, would be hilarious. Lila was actually confirmed in volume one when the prison, when, when they were registered into prison. Um, when you look at their bios, Lila was listed as one of his known associates. Um, we then get a shot of Peter sad and upset crying. Um, we talked about this earlier. I still think it, I still think. You know, jury's out. Could be Rocket. You know, it seems to be like the leading, the leading rumor out there. You know, from leakers for years, and everybody's saying Rocket. I still think it's a good chance that it's that it's Mantis here. Yeah, I agree. So whatever it is, it, it provokes a, a tremendous response from Quill, and I feel like not every member of the of the Guardians would provoke that heavy of a response but maybe they would maybe you know they, they have set up a lot of a lot of pieces to show that they are a family but i i do think that like that real you know like blood family member would probably be the one that would provoke that strong of a reaction yeah oh yeah yeah um you know with james gunn not coming back you gotta imagine that craglin's gonna Here's the thing with James Gunn not coming back, you gotta you gotta imagine that Craglin's not coming back, right? Yeah, with that being his brother in real life, Sean Gunn, mm -hmm. and then it does lead you to believe that if Rocket does come back, they're gonna have to get another actor in there to play Rocket because Sean Gunn also plays Rocket in the mocap, and yeah. Sean Gunn has set, he's gone on record saying it is hard playing Rocket. Because if you've ever watched those behind the scenes videos, he has to crouch down and walk when he's Rocket. And he says it's like, it's just, he says it's a nightmare on his body. And so he's like, you know, he's basically saying, I don't know how much longer I could do this. I mean, you can have Bradley Cooper could probably voice the character forever, but. You know, the mocap that Sean Gunn does is just – you'd have to have another actor come in there and do it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I, and I think getting another mocap actor is easier to do than getting – than replacing the voice. So I believe is if Bradley Cooper is still willing to voice the character, I could see them keeping <clears> – <throat> excuse me, keeping Rocket around and finding somebody else just to do the mocap. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. You could just, you know. Just get somebody who's really short. It's, it's not like Sean Gunn's short. I mean, you, it's, 
you've got to get the right guy in there that can do this. You got to have, they've got to study what Sean Gunn did. They got to study the movements. They've got to, you know, they got to put the work in to do that. Um, I think there's plenty of talented people out there in Hollywood who know who probably specialize in doing that type of mocap work that they could find. Yeah. Yeah. We finally get – oh, there's a shot of them fighting an abelisk, which is the same monster, uh, that species of monster that we saw them fighting at the beginning of Volume 2. Um, with it showing up – go ahead. I was to say, do you think Adam Warlock brings that creature with him? I don't know. I, I was thinking that it, it the abelisk might be something that the High Evolutionary created. Oh, OK. I hadn't even considered that. I also have a theory that – Fuck it. No, I'm going to get into it when we get there. Anyway, um, we finally see Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. And um, this character played a huge part in the Infinity Gauntlet in the comics. Uh, he was named after the first man, Adam. And Warlock was actually given to him by the High Evolutionary. Uh, he was also experimented on and created by the Sovereign in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, just like Rocket was created and experimented on by the High Evolutionary, so there's connections there. He has connections to Pip the Troll in the comics, and we saw him in a post credit scene for Eternals. So expect Warlock, Adam Warlock, to possibly pop up when we see the Eternals again. Um, and even though he doesn't have connections to Thanos like he did in the comics, we know in the MCU that Eros, who we saw at the, you know, End of Eternals is Thanos' brother, so they might try to form those types of connections later on. Um, we see a shot of Adam Warlock punch Nebula in the face. Um, that scene looks like it takes place back on their home base of nowhere, so it's like he's tracked them down to nowhere. Um, I think that he's going to start off as a villain in this movie and then become a good guy working with the Guardian, Guardians by the end of the movie and fighting against the High Evolutionary. The theory I wanted to bring up is I'm not even 100% sure that Warlock was 100% created by the Sovereign. Maybe they commissioned the High Evolutionary to make him and we will find that out later in the movie and that's a reason he teams up with the Guardians. Oh, I like that thought. Yeah. Because didn't he have origins from the high? I know the high evolutionary gave him the name Warlock in the comics, but didn't he also have a hand in his creation? I'm not sure. Let's uh, let's find out. I, I'm not 100% sure. One moment. All right, Joe, you found it. What did you find out? Yeah, it says Adam Warlock was created by a group of Earth scientists called the Enclave. So the Enclave, those are the scientists that are working for the high evolutionary. There you go. So there are connections there. Uh, that's probably what I think. I think it's, I think it's basically, it's like, it's, it's sovereign DNA. They wanted to create like the perfect, like they, they think that they are the perfect race, right? But yep. they wanted to create something like godlike from their image. And I think that's why they, maybe they commissioned the high evolutionary to use the genetic accelerator on Adam Warlock and maybe like that, whatever, you know, we see him in that machine, that device at the end of volume two. Maybe that's like, you know, they they just got him in the oven a little bit longer or something. <laughs> Dre, you, you, you had a question. Um, yeah, I was wondering that, um, 
I think y'all kind of somewhat may have answered it, but I was wondering that was, did we think Adam Warlock was something that was created from scratch by the high evolutionary or was he perhaps, did the, did the sovereign perhaps sacrifice one of their own? Like maybe did they offer up one of their own? I don't know if they, um, age similar to the way humans are, where maybe they offered up one of their younglings or something to him and perhaps was, he was enhanced and experimented on by the high evolutionary until they, he got the perfect person to give back to them. I think he was created from sovereign DNA from scratch. It's some, it's something like he's built some kind of like chamber and inside that chamber is some sort of like, you know, embryo that's holding Mm -hmm. and, and growing him at an accelerated rate. And I think that when, when he comes out, he's a brand new, being like when he comes out of that it's not like it's not like fucking robocop where you know he's gonna carry over the like you know robocop carries the you know the memories of you know of murphy i i think it's i think it's he's not a pre-existing person yeah like this is day one of this being right you know so yeah he was literally born yesterday yeah exactly yeah (laughs) yeah that's 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 my best guess. So, but I, you know, with this movie tying with with that character being shown in the post credit scene, and with this movie being with the High Evolutionary, I think there's a connection between Warlock and the High Evolutionary, and him being the one that they kind of reached out to to create Adam Warlock. Um, do we believe that he's been sent by the sovereign to go take out the guardians yes. in retaliation for what happened? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. He's, and I think like that's where we're seeing him show up on nowhere and, you know, punching Nebula. Cause Nebula, we didn't see her walk off the Bowie, did we? Did she walk off the Bowie or am no. I? No, we didn't. Okay. So maybe Nebula, yes, she does. She does. You're, talking about, you're talking about the beginning when they yes. on the animal planet. Yes. Yes. She's there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she is. Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. Fuck right. that up. Sorry. Yeah. It's Quill, Mantis, Groot, Drax, and Nebula. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I just wonder what. I wonder who else is with her on nowhere when they get attacked by Warlock. Hmm. That is like early on. No, nowhere getting attacked because it feels I think it's like the they first kind of stuff. That's what I'm kind of thinking too. It just feels like uh, that's kind of like the motivating factor that go t- you know toward whatever. Because Rocket, it, it, there's a later scene where Rocket says something about like he's tired of running and like it felt like that was kind of in the same moment of nowhere being destroyed. Uh, it's just a voiceover, though, in the trailer. I, I mean, I can't put everything together. I'm just trying to figure out, like, I was thinking, like, we just see her getting punched. Is she on Nowhere Alone at this moment? And does she reach out to Gamora? And that's how Gamora meets up with them later. I, You know, I'm trying to put everything together. And with Gamora walking off the Bowie, that kind of throws a monkey wrench into any theory I had. Let's step away from this because I think we we can get really kind of like 
lost in the weeds here on this one, and I don't, I don't know how important yeah, it sure. is mm-hmm. overall. We see a shot of Groot and Peter Quill uh, back to back, and they're firing guns. Um, Groot in the shot has grown multiple arms so that he can hold more guns. I think he's holding like five or six guns here, and then we hear like the voiceover of him saying, "We are Groot," and um, yeah. Uh, then we get like we get a final you know scene of Drax talking about killing everyone and then maybe just one person that nobody loves and <laughs> so yeah that's that's basically the trailer there um i guess we can get into possible leaks here in a moment um did you guys have any final thoughts about the trailer am Absolutely. i the only oh go ahead dude oh, just one simple question am i the only heartless person who laughed their ass off when drax beating that girl in the face with the ball <laughs> no that was i laughed funny. as well <laughs> no that's great just make <laughs> Just making sure I ain't the only one going there. No, it's such a Drax thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, and, you know, he's thinking it's her fault for not catching the fucking thing, right? So, jeez. Uh, yeah. I absolutely loved the use of the song In the Meantime by Space Hog in this. Like, just a quintessential 90s song. And it was just used to such good effect in this trailer. And we all know that James Gunn does a fantastic job of picking out music for his movies. And so I can't wait to see what else is going to be in volume three soundtrack. Yeah, that confused me. Uh, as far as I knew, he was going to be using a bunch of 80s songs in this movie. And so with, you know, the San Diego Comic-Con trailer using a Flaming Lips song from the 90s and this using, you know, another song from the 90s. I was a little confused because I thought we were going to jump into the 80s on his Zune. I mean, it could be a mix of 80s and 90s stuff on there. I mean, the Zunes were very late 90s technology, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah. But this was given to him by Yondu, right? Yeah, by Kraglin. Yeah. I guess we can rate the trailer. Here is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's go ahead and rate this one. Joe, what did you think, man? This was an absolute Tupperware for me. I loved this trailer. I've watched it over and over again. Like I was just saying about the the music hook that was in it. I thought it was just perfect. And I'm a huge fan. The Both of the Guardians volumes 1 and 2 are top tier Marvel for me. And I go back and forth at will on which one I like more. And so the, I've already been very hyped to see this movie and also knowing it's James Gunn's last one. And the the trailer just it, it took my hype and, and just put it on a rocket ship and sent it up into orbit. Like I can't wait to see this movie and the trailer totally worked for me. Dre. Yeah, I'm in agreement. This one's is a Tupperware for me. Um it does a good job of establishing um of reinforcing some established beats from the Guardians, that family comedy aspects of it, while also letting you know that, you know, we're gonna have some stakes and there's gonna be some emotion in it. But without giving away any significant plot points. So that's all I need in a trailer. You know, let me know what we're coming back to. Get me excited. Don't give everything away. And it accomplished all that. So it's a Tupperware for me. That's a great fucking way to look at a trailer, dude. I like that. That's fucking awesome. I like that. Uh, I, 
what I appreciated about that rating in particular is the fact that you're like, it gives me enough, but it doesn't give, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't give everything away. I think a mm-hmm. lot of trailers either don't give you shit or they give too much away. Um, yeah, this is a good blend. Um, Steven, what'd you think? Yeah, I have to agree. Tupperware. Uh, it kind of like he was just saying, like it, 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 there's a lot of mystery still, but like it got me really pumped for what's to come. And there was a lot of nostalgia, I feel like, with this trailer that kind of paralleled the first movie. You know, you brought up the prison, uh, that whole scene with Peter and uh, Groot doing the back to back shooting and stuff. Like that reminded me of Rocket and Groot from the first movie. Like just a lot of nostalgia there. I feel like it's it was cool Rocket and Groot from the first movie. And in the second movie, it was now, it was then baby Groot on rocket doing it oh yeah that's true that's true yeah so like i think we're gonna get a full circle like for these characters and their their arc and i i just this really got me just pumped to go watch the other movies again go rewatch the holiday special and like yeah i i really had a blast with this uh, trailer and i i like that they didn't give us everything but i have a lot of questions so uh, tupperware for sure i'm gonna give it a tupperware as well uh, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, going back to what Dre said, stuff I would have loved to have seen more of. I wanted to see more of the High Evolutionary and of Adam Warlock. But again, you can't show everything, right? This just teased me enough. It just teased yeah. me enough. I got, you know, I at least got to see shots of them. And I want to see more. I want to see more. And I feel like that's the same way with a lot of these Marvel trailers. It's like Quantumania. I want to see more Kang. I want to see more Jonathan Majors. Hell, I want to see a fucking fully realized MODOK in 4K. I haven't gotten that yet. <laughs> but, you know, the movie, that movie's coming out. It's coming out in February. So I can see it then. And they'll probably, when the TV spots are hitting, we'll probably see fucking everything. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know how that goes. Marvel I, nails the first. They always nail the first trailer. That's the one that they always nail. It's usually the second one where they start to give away too much stuff, and then the TV spots just throw everything at the wall. I still think like one of the best trailers that they ever put out was the Endgame trailer. Most confusing. It was like the mo- one of the most engaging yet confusing trailers I'd ever seen. Characters are all familiar. What the fuck is going on here? Like when you first see that trailer, you had no idea. Like, you know, how, you know, what, you know, Tony out in space, you're, you're just like, Oh my God, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that trailer was fantastic. I, I still didn't like the, uh, I didn't care for either of the Thor 11 Thunder trailers, to be honest with you. They, they were both just kind of like middle of the road taste it's, I think, or maybe even lower. I can't remember. I just, I wasn't blown away by those, but Marvel, you typically does a fantastic job with their trailers. Possible. If you guys don't want to hear about possible leaks, don't listen to this. Turn it off. These aren't huge leaks, guys. And I can't, uh, these aren't huge leaks. I, I really don't have many leaks out there for, for volume three. Um, the leak, here it is. Uh, earlier this week, a Marvel insider known as Great Phase tweeted that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will end with Peter Quill, aka Star-Lord, and Cosmo, a fan favorite Marvel Comics character, preparing to build a new superhero team together. 
The pair will apparently be based out of a revamped version of Nowhere, which would make sense considering Cosmo has previously served as the location's chief of security in the comics. Additionally, Greatface claims that both Adam Warlock and Phyla Vell will still be alive at the end of the film. If true, it seems – listen, Phyla Vell, um, it hasn't even the, – the, yeah, let me get, the, let me just read the rest of this. Here we go. If true, it seems to be, it seems fair to assume that the two characters will be positioned to become members of Star Lord and Cosmo's new team. While Philavel's presence in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 hasn't been confirmed yet either, the character is currently rumored to be played by, uh, played in the film by the Suicide Squad star Daniela Melkor, who she played, uh, the Rat King 2 in The Suicide Squad. And we know she's got a part in this movie. We hear that it's not a big part, but I don't know about this. It's that's that's James Gunn's. That's I don't know. What do you think? That's James Gunn's find. That's like his actor, right? Is she going to stick around with Marvel if James Gunn ain't coming back or or is James Gunn like basically like. Like said, hey, go ahead, make some of that Marvel money, be part of that universe. It's not even compa- – nobody knows who she's playing. So like this leaker is saying she's playing Phyla Vell. That's not even 100%. Like that's not even 100%. Like we don't I know if that's true or not. voicing the otter. That's Lila. Was, yeah. Uh, Lila, too. yes. Yeah. Because that, that would be a smaller part. It would be something that would be a one and done because I think you're right. This is – this is one of James Gunn's picks. So, and especially with what he's doing now at DC, you'd think that, you know, why why would she commit to doing a Marvel character that might not be going anywhere when she could stick with with DC and 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 with what James Gunn is doing over there, especially since she was one of the best characters in the Suicide Squad. I mean, I'm not saying like Philavel won't show up in Marvel, and maybe that is a, a legitimate leak. You know, she's a um a um uh, a Cree soldier, a Cree super soldier, like that could be a character that we see possibly be, like pop up in Secret Invasion. But I don't know about popping up in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I mean, I don't, I don't think it would be an issue if she were to pop up because, like, unless it's all just publicity, it, it seems like Gun is on relatively good terms, at least with Kevin Feige. You know, he supposed he was the first person he told when he got the DC gig. So like, if anything, he probably would just be glad that she's getting more work. It doesn't mean that he can't use her further with DC. If they go any, you know, with that character in any other movies. So. I, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I just say like, if, if I had to place my bet on who she's playing, I would say Lila. Yeah, Definitely. You know, I setting up a brand new member of a new team. Maybe they're not the Guardians of the Galaxy anymore going forward. Maybe, you know, Star-Lord's got his own team that he's going to be setting up. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know it how. Would seem to make more, it would seem to make more sense that she would play a, a less consequential character considering – the future of the guardians as a whole is up in the air beyond this movie. So it was, I don't know that he would assign her up for a character that like we, I think we've already said 
doesn't necessarily have a definitive future and have it be a significant character in this movie. Like she can do the voice work in this and then, you know, easily step away and join back with uh gun in DC. That seems to be again, probably the smarter move. I could think. Yeah. I mean, imagine she's already been talking with at least gun about doing more of a role. If that's the case, I mean, she would probably know, beforehand if she's gonna be available so i think gun just likes to work with people that he's worked with before we see that with rooker we saw you know chuck woody awuji who was in suicide uh, in uh in um the peacemaker series now is you know the high evolutionary in this movie um daniela yeah. melkor is you know the rat king too and now she's working with him here i think he likes to work with a lot of the same people we see this with a lot of directors you know quentin tarantino as well um uh, Sam Raimi. Uh, and so I, I don't know if she's got a future with Marvel. I'm, I'm sure he has other plans for her at DC, you know, with the Rat King 2 and possibly seeing it. But he might have just been like, fuck it. You know, if they have a big role for you going for it, I, I, my bets are on she's going to be that fucking otter. <laughs> so yeah, totally. I agree with you, Joe, 100%. So I don't even think Philo Fell is going to show up in this movie. And I'm not saying like Great Phase has not come out with like, you know, leaks that haven't been proven. Like this is, this is not, you know, fucking fake news or anything. Like Great Phase has some, you know, reliable leaks out there. I just, I, I personally think that this script has been changed and altered since, you know, going through the firing and then through COVID. That was my first thought too, is that there's been, probably several different incarnations of this script and who knows which one they saw. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't this movie kind of feel like it's going to be somewhat self-contained? Like this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like a movie that's going to have like some massive impact on those greater MCU. It's like, it's going to tell its story and that's going to be it. The characters themselves may continue forward. Whoever survives could possibly continue forward in the MCU, but Nothing beyond that. I think this movie's going to exist in its own Guardians world. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think that Adam Warlock coming out of this will have, like, a bigger impact on the MCU. Mm-hmm. And that's what we'll get out of it, right? You know, is, like, how, you know, wh- what could Adam Warlock be doing possibly, if anything – during the events of the Kang Dynasty, during the events of uh, you know Secret Wars, are we going to see? Are we going to see Adam Warlock pop up in that? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting what they do with that character because like he's not going to have the Soul Stone, presumably. So, like, what is I guess the purpose of his gem thing? Is he going to be at full power? Are we going to see like a nerfed version of him right now? Could they see him in the future? go in a you know like a a route with that stone if they bring it back somehow like it's Mm. very he's definitely somebody that you could see being a long game character i think they just i think whatever he's gotten is you know in his forehead now is just aesthetically trying to make him look closer to like the comic book version i think it has nothing to do with the you know the soul stone 
Agreed. I don't see them retreading that ground with the Infinity Stones again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess we can end this one. I've just been hearing rumors that, like, don't expect any mutants to show up in Secret Wars. And, man, it was so... Wow, in Secret Wars. That's... Yeah. That seems crazy. Like, don't... Like, you'll, you'll see, like you know, multiversal mutants, like the ones that we've heard about, but I'm not talking about like, we're not going to see like the new X-Men team. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to see, you know, we could see, who knows? We might see like Hugh Hugh Jackman's Wolverine might show up possibly that that's still there. I mean, uh, like the multiversal version, you know, the Fox version of like storm, you know, we could see some of that kind of stuff popping up. But as far as like them introducing like brand new actors to be playing, I'm, I'm hearing like that, like that's not going to be happening here. Like, and you know, this goes back. It makes sense to me too. I think we're, everybody was rushing it from day one. The, The day that, the day that, you know, Disney bought Fox, everybody was expecting to see like in the very next Marvel movie, like a post credit scene of Fantastic Four or the mutants or something like that. And, you know, I, you know, I, 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 me and Jake, like, I think we were one of the only people that were saying like, Kevin Feige has this shit mapped out. I don't, ex- I, I don't expect any of that stuff to start happening anytime soon. We talked about like not seeing the mutants for years, possibly. Um, and I know you can say like, oh, we've seen Namor, we've seen Ms. Marvel mutants, blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking, guys, I'm talking fucking like Claremont fucking X-Men. That's what I'm talking about here. Yeah, not- that's, that's not happening in this phase. This is a, we're talking about a guy who plans 10 years in advance. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Like why, you know, I can understand like why he wanted to alter the plans when they got Sony to make the deal, right? And get Spider-Man and Civil Wars. He was not a part of Civil War originally. I can see why they did that. You've got to make that. You've got to do it. You've got to make that move. That's with another studio. You've got to do that. It's got to happen yeah. now. Well, and it's also such mm-hmm. an easier proposition to squeeze one character into an existing narrative, especially when he's essentially only in a couple scenes and versus an entire team into a movie. Right, a, a, team that you ha- a team that you haven't even yeah. introduced yet, so that means you'd have to do some sort of introductions, take time out in the movie to do that. Now, I'd, I don't think it's happening in this phase at all. Yeah, not just an entire yeah. team. You're talking a whole other group of humans. Exactly. Period. It's not just the X-Men. Everybody wants to focus on the X-Men and the heroes parts, but it's bigger than that. It's the mutants. This is an entire race of people that exist on this world. Yes. That's not something that you can just shoehorn in in a couple of movies and then send the heroes out to represent them. Like, no, I think if anything, whatever comes out as a result of secret wars, if we get some sort of consolidation of multiple universes or whatever, that can maybe give rise to mutants post this, uh, multiverse saga. But yeah, outside of a person here and there, I don't see anything happening of any substance with any significance with mutants in this saga. I mean, you know, if we're uh, mutants, I think, I think they exist now. Like, like even like Wolverine, like we, we saw like the T's and She-Hulk, you know, man with, what was it? Like man with claws, metal claws gets in a bar fight. You know, they're, they're teasing these things. They're just kind of like sprinkling them in as we go. But 
I think Feige was like, you know what? I've mapped this shit out, like Joe said, you know, for the past decade. We're going to stay the course. And, you know, like if people are having fucking superhero fatigue, well, we're going to have like this fucking injection of mutants to get everybody back on board later on down the road. You don't. You don't want to blow your wad too early, right? Mm-hmm. My expectation for the X-Men would be that they're going to use them kind of as a replacement for the Avengers once they feel like the Avengers are kind of stale and they, you know, the, they don't want to use the title anymore. They can just switch over to the X-Men and then, you know, maybe characters have their own movies and then they'll come together to make that team and that will be the big join up. I think the Marvel Universe works best when you have an Avengers team and the X-Men. Like, just like even in the comics when they were trying to give us all this uh, inhuman stuff because they didn't – you know, Fox had the rights to the X-Men and there were no X-Men toys coming out. It was all – it was all, you know, MCU stuff and – and and they were trying to like there there were barely any like X Men comics on the shelves either. You could get like a Wolverine comic here and there, but it was mostly and of course like you know Deadpool was mutant, so you had the Deadpool comics. But they were really trying to make a push for the Inhumans, and it didn't work. And you know of course they just you know this isn't working. Let's bring back the X Men. I just think like the MCU would just benefit from having both the Avengers and X-Men and everything just kind of collide. I would love to even see like Avengers versus X-Men. I just think I was going to (laughs) ask. Yeah. AVX would be amazing. Um, AVX would be amazing. I know, you know, with every comic that comes out, you're going to have haters. And there were people that hated AVX. I loved AVX. I thought AVX was fantastic. It was one of the best event comics in a long time that I had read. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, how they introduce the X-Men. Um, of course, we'll get to see the Fantastic Four before all of that. But that is all I have for this episode. I uh, want to thank everybody on this episode that joined us. Joe Stark, where can people find you when you're not talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Yeah, you can find me on StarkCast. I'm having long-form conversations with people. New episodes drop every Saturday. Dre, you've been one of my favorite guests to have on lately, dude. You blow my mind sometimes. You blow my – I'm not even saying – I had a conversation with Wayne uh, the other day and I was like, holy shit. Dre is so good at this. He's so good at fucking podcasting because you brought up a theory on on our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania trailer breakdown and you, you, you brought up a theory and you said like, you know, what if – what if uh, – Scott has to steal something uh, from uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. What's her What's her name? Uh, Janet Van Dyne. What Janet, if, yeah. yeah. What if he has to? What What if the thing that he has to steal for Kang is something that Janet has? And I was like, No, no, no. He's going to go to the TVA. I'm so. I, I think, dude. I think I'm totally wrong. I think I'm a hundred percent wrong on that, dude. You were a hundred percent right. I guarantee. By the time we get the Quantum Mania, and this is not from any of the spoilers that I've read, I guarantee. By the time we get the fucking Quantum Mania, he's he's going against Janet, dude. He's stealing whatever she's got hidden behind that moving wall. He's going after it, man. That's what Scott's doing. He's going to steal from Janet, dude. It's going to pit him against Janet Van Dyne. 
And you're 100% right, dude. You blew my mind with that theory. I, I just basically like brushed you away. Like, no, that's not right. It's going to be the TVA. He's going to, you're, I was, dude, I, I, I was wrong. I'm 100% wrong there. I, I don't think we're going to see, if we see the TVA, I don't even think we're going to see the TVA. I don't even think the TVA is going to be part of it. I think you're right. And I was wrong. And you've, you've kind of like stepped in on some of these episodes and just, uh, your spoiler speculation has just blown me the fuck away. So I got to give you props where props are due. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Where can people find you, Dre? After well, now that I've got your now that your dick's out of my mouth, where can people find you? <laughs> if anybody wants any more of my random speculation, not MCU related or Marvel related, you can find me fantasy booking on podcast championship wrestling with Wayne, as War mentioned, and other guests where we discuss all the uh, latest happenings in the world of professional wrestling. There you go. Check it out. PCW Podcast Championship Wrestling. And Steven, where can people find you? I have Dissecting This Fiction. It's a podcast where we do basically the same as you guys. But if you also like video games, come check it out. And I'm also on Twitch, Classy Cat Dad. If you want to watch me stream, I'm currently playing the Callisto Protocol. The Clitco Protocol? The, the Callisto <laughs> Protocol. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a gynecology visit game. It's like a job simulator, but it's a, it's a real messy. Yeah. All right. Uh, check out dissecting this fiction with, uh, you didn't even plug, you didn't even plug your wife on that, man. That's fucked up, dude. Well, people will find out when they listen to us. Okay. Besides, yeah. I plug her in other ways. He's talking about sex. <laughs> specifically anal all right and uh, <laughs> she's not going to listen to this is she we'll find out okay <laughs> i will <laughs> i'll find out i'll i'll find out when she unfriends me on facebook <laughs> anyway all right guys thank you for joining us on this one looking forward to guardians of the galaxy volume when does it come out summer of next year I May that's when they 5th? Announced. May 5th, I think. Release date. There we go. May, May 5th, 5th yeah. yeah. May 5th, 2023. Revenge of the 5th. Because <laughs> God knows we can't put out a fucking Star Wars movie on that day. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at toss it, good at taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hate it. 
embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture, leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.